From Southern California, this is Outlook in Review, a summary of world headlines, technology and business news, arts and entertainment features, and instructive encouragement from the Praiselite Media Studios, Thousand Oaks, California. Today it's Wednesday, the 30th of January 2019. Extreme cold is hitting a large portion of the central U.S. as temperatures between negative 10 and negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit are moving into portions of the upper Midwest with wind chills making it feel as cold as negative 65 Fahrenheit in some areas. And in western Wisconsin, western Illinois, and the entire states of Minnesota and Iowa, the United States Postal Service has suspended mail delivery due to the cold. According to KCCI Channel 8 in Des Moines, Iowa, the USPS said in a statement to the media that there will be no mail pickup on Wednesday for businesses or collection boxes. With temperatures expected to stay below zero Fahrenheit for several days in most of the region, many schools have also closed, and people are being urged to stay indoors during the coldest temperatures that many states have felt in at least a generation. And continuing with the focus on the United States Postal Service, it now costs more to mail an average letter. From 50 to 55 cents, the 5 cent price increase went into effect on Sunday, marking the largest increase since 1991 when the price of the postage stamp jumped 16% from 25 to 29 cents. The 5 cent hike is also the biggest nominal price increase in history. Priority Mail Express prices rose by 3.9%, while Priority Mail, according to a report by Fox Business, increased 5.9%. Those prices aren't adjusted in line with inflation, but rather with perceived market conditions. The Postal Service has been running a multi-billion dollar deficit for years, and NPR reports that the price increase is an attempt to contend with an America that simply doesn't doesn't send as many letters as it used to. The Postal Service has reported a net loss of $3.9 billion during fiscal 2018. According to the USPS, these new rates will help keep them competitive while providing the agency with some much-needed revenue. If you've ever watched old films or had any interest in the history of filmmaking, you've likely seen the short film A Trip to the Moon, of the rocket ship poking out the eye of the man in the moon as it lands. In 2011, the movie Hugo touched on and dramatized the events surrounding the production of that film, as well as many others. Based on the book by Brian Selznick, The Invention of Hugo Cabret, the film follows the storyline of the book featuring a young boy in the 1930s, who after the death of his parents, lives with his uncle in the Gare Montparnasse rail station in Paris, where they maintain the clocks in the depot. After his repressive and often intoxicated uncle goes missing, the boy, Hugo, continues with the clock maintenance out of fear that the station inspector would discover him living alone and send him away as an orphan. 
Before his father's death, both he and Hugo had worked on fixing an automaton, an intricate, robotic-like mechanical figure that in this case was programmed to write with a pencil. After the sudden death of his father, Hugo continues to try to get it to work by repairing and cleaning all the inner workings. But the machine still won't wind up due to the absence of a special heart-shaped key that his father was unable to find. Through a series of events, Hugo makes a friend, Isabel, and is shocked to discover one day that she has the heart-shaped key. Together they wind up the automaton, and both are astonished when they discover what it writes, or rather, draws. It's a scene from the famous early film, A Trip to the Moon, by Georges Méliès, whose name Isabel recognizes as her own godfather's. The children begin to research and make a friend in the library, author René Tebar, a film expert who is surprised and excited to hear that Méliès is still alive, as he had disappeared after World War I along with nearly all copies of his films. Together, the trio make their way to Isabelle's home where they meet Méliès and his wife, Isabelle's godparents. While demonstrating the automaton, Hugo realizes that he does not have the key, and he runs to the train station to retrieve it, where he is caught by the inspector who, although saving him from almost being hit by a train, threatens to take him to the orphanage as his uncle's body had been found and reported. However, at the last moment, Hugo Cabret is rescued by an unlikely source ensuring him to never again worry about the orphanage. Much like the original book, Hugo is a warm and mystical film and has entertained numerous young and old with its stellar mix of animation and acting. That coupled with a sense of wonder, intrigue, and innocence makes Hugo a great choice for family movie night and is destined to captivate countless more over the coming decades. Last time we introduced the biblical attribute patience and how society today tends to discount this perspective, whispering a gospel of self and saying, I deserve this right now, making patience look almost like a detriment rather than a virtue and an attribute of God. We discussed Abraham in Genesis who modeled how patience never gives up in the midst of negative or seemingly impossible conditions, even if things seem undeniably impossible. Now, another way that patience shows itself is in how we, as followers of Jesus Christ, handle those in our lives who are difficult or exasperating. This second characteristic is addressed in 1 Thessalonians 5, when Paul tells us to be patient with all men. As humans, we tend to automatically feel defensive when provoked, but when we bear with one another in patient, loving, quiet, and gentle ways, we are showing patience. We should avoid passive-aggressive feelings or retaliating behaviors. Patience manifests itself when we bear with those that insult us, persecute us, or show us unfair treatment, slander us, and hate us, all of which notably occur as a result of our faith in Christ. Finally, the third aspect of patience is evidenced through an absolute acceptance of God's plan for all things. True patience does not question God, but rather the patient person knows that whatever has been planned by God for their future is good and right. 
Romans 8 tells us, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. God is in control. No matter how often we hear that, it shouldn't make it any less true in our hearts. As followers of Jesus Christ, we can be patient, awaiting his foreordained will to work out. And may we ask God to help us to recognize when we are apt to be impatient. And when those times come, may we pray for strength to endure them faithfully, keeping our eyes on Christ and the promises found in his word. Thanks for listening to Outlook in Review. Contact us anytime with questions or comments. We'd always love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Outlook in Review and Facebook.com forward slash Outlook in Review, where you can find information to various topics we cover on the show. Until next time from Thousand Oaks, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Outlook in Review. Outlook in Review.